0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. And of course, this is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. In addition to my YouTube podcast, please, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a host of other online streaming platforms. Hit that subscribe button, drop us a comment, give us a like. Let us know how we're doing with this show as we continue to build this thing from the ground up. My guest today is Dr. Jay Baruch. Dr. Baruch is author of the brand new book, Tornado of Life, A Doctor's Journey Through Constraints and Creativity in the ER. He is a practicing emergency room physician and a professor of emergency room medicine at Brown University's Albert Medical School. Dr. Baruch, welcome to the show. Thank you
1: so much for having me, Adrian.
0: Um, my first question for you, I want to start out. Uh, there's so many different areas that physicians can practice in and you know choose what lane they want to go down but for you why did you choose to practice in the er and what attracted you to that
1: Uh, (laughs) i i've been trying to figure that out for the last 30 years you know it's um there's so many elements about emergency medicine practice, which is is kind of fascinating. You know, I mean, I was, I was drawn to it initially because of the social justice mission. You know, the fact that it was the safety net of our healthcare system, um, but also there was, there was something about the the space itself. The fact that there was so much going on in it. Um, every every day was a different type of day. Um, you were challenged continuously, which seems so exciting when you're younger. <laughs> then when you get older, you're like, God, I would, wouldn't mind a little bit of a break every now and then. Um, but that said, it's, uh, it was both invigorating and, uh, and sometimes terrifying, uh, with what comes through the door, but it was always new and always different. And it's never boring and even after 30 years of doing this it's I'm, i still think still i still have experiences almost every shift, which is like entirely new hmm.
0: and and you've taken those experiences and uh you've written the book uh which we want to talk about now so um Tell me about the book, how you were able to capture such a unique perspective of, of patients and, and giving a side of the ER that most people don't see, um, and what motivated you to want to write this book from not only the patient's perspective, but the ER physician perspective.
1: I, I I I came to medicine from uh, from a writing place. From, I was a, a, I went to college to be an English professor. I was an English major in college, and uh, so I, I sort of... I didn't I think a lot of people come into go into medicine from the perspective of through the sciences and they're very science oriented. And uh, and what drove me into medicine was actually the people and the stories um that were that are are, are so elemental to to what we do. Um and I think my fascination with character you know on the page also translates into fascination with the characters i was taking care of and i mean i mean that in the most affectionate and respectful way possible and uh and so i i always written as a way to sort of figure things out so i i almost so much of my writing over the years has really been for myself it's all, mostly almost always starts out as something for myself and trying to figure out those parts of, of moments or experiences that were challenging or um, uncomfortable or um, were difficult to sort of put language to, but it's really important to put language to it to try to try to take what this experience is and put it on the page and sort of and by objectifying it, you can sometimes take it apart a little bit and. And you identify things that you hadn't really seen before. So by writing, I'm actually thinking. I think definitely when I write, <laughs> and uh, and then over the years, you know, m- m- many of these experiences end up being tr- inter- translated and carried forth into into different types of writing that I've done. And um, and for this particular book, it was really. The, those experiences that were sort of like on the other side of the stories that are often told about emergency medicine, which is oftentimes just high wattage drama and like the blood um, and the, the typical narratives that people see on, on TV or on their screens. And it's not to say that it's not a big part of what I, of what I do. Um, sometimes it's a big part. But oftentimes, uh, more the the biggest challenges that I'm facing are are these quote unquote quieter ones that are anything but quiet. Hmm. Uh,
0: there's also a, and I think most people don't realize this. And as as you know, full disclosure, to my audience, I I retired from a healthcare career in clinical medicine. So um, there's often a emotional and spiritual connection between physicians and patients during their care that I don't think it talks gets talked about enough. And I think you're, you're in that lane. I think you're getting that human connection more so than just a clinical treatment, but that human connection. And and I think that's something you've been able to, to bring out in your stories.
1: Yeah. And, and like, what do we mean by connection? Right. I mean, I I feel like we've been connecting through stories like through Mm -hmm. thousands of years. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. We, we understand, we come to understand ourselves, and the experiences of others and the world around us through stories, you know, and, and even when we, we first, before we even got on, Edric, you were telling me a little bit about, my, about yourself, you told me a story, <laughs> exactly, um, right. And, and so it's, I, I, <laughs> I, I feel that what really attracts, attracts me to medicine and what I feel like perhaps we are doing, we're less good at in medicine is this part of stories.
0: Hmm. Um, You share several stories in the book and and your reaction to the stories and they're also different and there's such an emotional uh, human aspect to them. But I wanna ask you about how did you decide which stories to to put in the book, but more so than that, were there stories that uh, you didn't put in the book that have affected you uh, over the years? Oh yeah, there's a lot,
1: I mean, there's a lot of things that, like, like I have notebooks I can throw over, throw open my <laughs> door right here and and show you like all the notebooks that I have of just like me thinking through particular experiences and, and moments and, 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 and what ends up happening, at, at least getting to your second part of your question, which is like what ends up find its way into the book and sure. and and what rises to to make the cut um so to speak is that i can think there are certain there are certain things that that happen that have happened to me that either keep happening in certain different other experiences in different ways or my colleagues talk about and i go huh you know i that happened to me once or I had that experience where I was thinking about this type of experience in this way and and it comes to a point where there are some things certain experiences that we don't that we don't talk about but we do like I like my colleagues and I would talk about it let's say like over coffee or when we're signing out to each other in passing but but it might not be addressed in any kind of formal fashion like and I'm in a you know, I'm on faculty at a in a academic medical center, uh, Department of Emergency Medicine, we train, we have residents, we have medical students, we have people who come through. And oftentimes what the reason why they're not discussed in that way, Edric, is the fact that there's oftentimes not a clear answer. Mm-hmm. Right. And in, mm-hmm. and the standard paradigms, the standard tools of medicine, of sort of data and evidence-based clinical decision-making, which is so important, right? We want to make decisions based on the best science. Like we want it, we need data, but there are some situations, there are many situations where it's not enough (laughs) or we're so busy on trying to find the answer that we're not thinking about, are we asking the right questions? Like, are we necessarily applying the data to the proper situation at hand? And sometimes we don't think about the decisions we make before we think we're making decisions and it oftentimes has roots in narrative. And our response to these things are oftentimes have their have have their guidance through how we understand an individual's story, what is said and what's unsaid, um, what questions should I be curious about? And it's not necessarily about like being an expert physician, but rather being a more curious and interested person of another human Like right? it's like a human <laughs> to human connection it's like something i feel like maybe five-year-olds can do to each other better than people have, have had like x number of years of postgraduate
0: education um to that point I, one thing i i've seen and and i and i'm not sure if you've experienced this you, I'm, most likely you have is that when you're in a situation with a patient in the emergency room and you're you're asking those questions and getting curious about how to provide treatment many times, the questions you ask race, they bring about answers that are more than just the individual patient's medical condition, psycho, uh, socioeconomic conditions, um, homelessness, um, a variety of things that come out that suddenly, you're not just treating that laceration, but now you have to find housing for this person, or transportation, or maybe they can't pay. So um, in those moments, you're treating the whole person. and And how does that affect you personally just in terms of how you relate to those type of situations and what are some of the ways that that you have to show compassion in many times and empathy
1: that's such a great question so this is like the very thing which I love to probe through my writing you know the very issues that you're raising so so if you just let me sort of, of unpack, uh, unpack of a little bit what you just said, because you said so much. Please do. Right. So, yes, like sometimes you come in, someone comes in because like they fell down, they have a laceration and you go, oh, it's a simple laceration. I can get this person hopefully in and out, you know, relatively quickly. And then you learn that perhaps they're they have unstable housing, you know, or they're, they're newly homeless um, or they have. An alcohol use disorder, or they fell down because of, let's say they have an opioid problem. It goes on and on, right? Um, but they have needs that other that need to be addressed, right? So, so for example, let's say someone fell down because they were had an opioid issue. Then we're working on the opioid element to after we do that or let's say it's an older person who fell down because they can no longer care for themselves at home mm-hmm. and so then you get social work involved and we get case management involved and because it's so because if not we're going to send them back to the same environment which caused them to fall in the first place so in one from one direction you look at this it's incredibly gratifying Right, because someone comes in with a manifestation, the end result of a couple of challenges, and you can help address those things. Maybe not be able to fix it because sometimes they're bigger problems, but we can start right. that process, right? So, in some sense, it's incredibly gratifying because people are oftentimes very grateful. Like, thank you for giving me this help. Thank you for plugging me into this, you know, into um talking to some uh uh recovery services or trying to secure housing for me or a place to stay, but it takes time, right? So at the same time, you're you're gratified and you take some sense of comfort in being able to provide, meet some people's needs, their multiple needs. It takes time. And you have people in the waiting room who are waiting because Mm of this Mm -hmm. so that, laceration that maybe you're going to get in and out in a half hour or an hour. Now this patient might be here for four hours as you try to get all the services. So being empathic for this particular person and feeling empathic for this particular person and perhaps feeling good about yourself. Like this is why we're here. This is why we're doing this. At the same time, you're being perhaps less empathic um, and, <laughs> to the people, to the X number of people in the waiting room who now must wait even longer because you're doing this and this person's taking this bed up. And I feel like this tension gets at the very heart of what's so powerful and meaningful about what we do um, in the emergency department and also can be a source of distress at the, at
0: the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um you mentioned your colleagues um what's been their reaction to to your book and um or are, are have they you know given you feedback I mean what's been what's been the reaction of your peers so there's always a selection bias
1: right because yeah. like people no one <laughs> <laughs> good point um because uh, you know very rarely you're going to someone who's going to say hey you know Baruch uh that book stunk. Oh,
0: great question. <laughs> you great don't get point. that, yeah.
1: So the people, yes. but so, but I, I have to tell you that you, you can tell. I mean, I've been at this for a long time, and and I, I think I, I have, I'm, I'm somewhat savvy to like how feedback is given, and when and you know, this one thing that people say, oh, that's nice, and people saying like, like that's you know very very complimentary, and I feel like it's really resonated. Um, I've heard. From enough of my colleagues um both where i work and elsewhere nationally internationally um and even from a lot of my staff the staff that i work with like nurses who i respect so much who come up to me having read the book and like this has captured the experience that it was so hard for me to capture um and so it's hard because i wrote it for multiple audiences i wanted it i wanted to write a book for the lay public to give them some insight into what we do and what we're aware of you know about what perhaps what they're experiencing as well um while also trying to write a book that my colleagues would want to read and that honors our complicated experiences and i think i went to those those difficult places that 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 we talk again, like I mentioned earlier, that we talk about, but we don't really talk about.
0: And I try to put language to that. Hmm. Um, physician burnout, not just in the ER, but in across a wide variety of disciplines, is a problem. Uh, just from the uh, the amount of emotional energy that you're putting into these situations. Um, how, what is something that um, that you do to maybe help guide either newer physicians or to talk about? physician burnout and, um, you know, what are some of the ways that you think we can, we can remedy this situation? Uh, Cause it is, it's, it's out there.
1: It's out there. And so, uh, I feel like it's a type of problem that we're using the tools of medicine to sort of as remedies. And I don't feel like it's <laughs> necessarily an effective paradigm for addressing burnout so the challenges i think we're facing in this is like as you said as rick like it's a it is a prevailing problem and it's getting worse i mean there was some a study from the mayo clinic proceedings a couple of weeks ago from like 2021 20, 20, was sort of like in the heart of the pandemic and saying that there's record numbers of physicians were experiencing um one of a certain number of elements of burnout you know which you know this is entity which includes you know depersonalization and emotional exhaustion and a sense of loss of accomplishment or loss of control and then and as you said like it, it can it impacts many different fields and and we're one of them you know in in healthcare and medicine however is the early conversations around it were often around. this is what you should do. You should meditate more. You should do yoga. You should exercise. You should, you know, more vegetables and fruits and less alcohol <laughs> <laughs> and find meaning. And, you know, being with others is good and family and friends and is great. And finding a support network is good. And, and isolation is bad. And these are all things that we sort of like sort of knew, and, and what i what I feel was most challenging about these discussions around burnout is that even though there is sort of this accepted definition about the characters characteristics and the elements that go into the into this thing called burnout
0: mm-hmm.
1: that we all individual providers clinicians at least in healthcare, might those are people who do go and experience this thing called burnout might experience it for different reasons hmm. right and we're focusing so much on this thing called burnout that we're not initially focusing in on the individual experiences about why people get to that point point. Hmm. and i don't think it comes from and, I, and this is the challenge this is what what i find so fascinating edric is that I feel like the approach from our leaders in wellness, who those people who I know are like I respect greatly. Mm-hmm. I think their intentions are are so sincere and they're doing their best and they're deeply committed to their to this work. However, also, also there's this like this parental element, I feel, in some of these initiatives and programs in that, you know, as a parent, like when the, when our kids come to us with, with problems, you want to give them an answer. We want to say, this is going to make you feel better. So when they have these suggestions, when we end up having these responses to it, that sometimes feel wooden to us because like, we know that the, the people who are who are, our leaders who are voicing concerns, who are trying to give advice, I think they're coming from a good place. They're coming from a place of trying to trying to come up with answers. Hmm. And I and I find that what's lost in these conversations getting to your to your question is that oftentimes I feel what my colleagues want is just the opportunity to talk about their experiences. Like even if there aren't easy fixes to this, because Burnout, you know, is defined as an occupational problem. It's an occupational issue. It's a system issue. It's a context issue, um, and you know, and many of us sometimes, oftentimes, feel powerless in how to in how to respond to this. But I think we want to talk about. We want to give voices. I mean, I think a more authentic next steps is like, how do we give voices to the many reasons why people might feel the way they do to at least be heard huh. and to have those experiences legitimized and dignified rather than sort of lumped into this thing called burnout, which I think is so fascinating because depersonalization is part of burnout. And yet our response to burnout as this entity from the rubric of, it, of burnout oftentimes depersonalizes the very experiences that we're suffering from, which is depersonalization. <laughs> Which is characterized by depersonalization. <laughs> so it's so complicated. I know, I don't think you wanted to get into this messiness. Oh, it's fine. No, this no, no, no. I'm sorry. I wanted no, to give you no. a straight answer. Please do. But but this is, I think, what I've been trying to do with some of the pieces, with with almost all the pieces in my book come out of this type of examination of like, listen, let's not, like, this is not about being right about being wrong this is about sort of how do we examine the messiness of a particular experience, experience and sometimes finding out what the right thing to do is the very thing that we're that we're trying to figure out hmm. um and it's and it's not always easy and it's and i'm and sometimes the fact that it's hard is what makes it worthwhile
0: pursuing hmm. and i would be remiss if i didn't mention uh the, the nursing staff and the techs and everybody Absolutely. else who makes healthcare Absolutely. go in, in addition to the physician. So shout out to the healthcare workers uh, who are experiencing some of the same issues that you were articulating. So just wanted to give kudos to them. Absolutely, I agree. Um, I have a few minutes left with you. So let me ask you now, uh, in addition to the book you just published, you published two other books, uh, one titled What's Left Out and the other one's titled 14 Stories. Uh, are you currently working on a new book or a new project?
1: I'm always writing. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say I'm writing, you know, uh, I, like I said, like I, 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 I write because I think differently when I'm writing and oftentimes like the best, like what my intentions are for projects as they move forward, oftentimes change as I'm getting to the middle of it, you know, you get into the mess of it and you see, and you see what type of shape it's going to, it's going to take. Um, but yeah, so I, you know I'm constantly, I'm constantly trying to 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 put words on the page and uh and if they're not pretty, the, a lot of the words right now are not pretty words. um, mm-hmm. you know, I think I am if my if I have any, um, any talents as a writer, I think it's in rewriting, I'm like a dogged rewriter. And so um, <laughs> Uh I was doing that this morning before our, our conversation, um, Edric and, and some other stuff that I had on, on on my schedule today. And um and I'll probably steal another hour or so after this. And and uh and I'm hoping that it's gonna take it's gonna take shape into something that um that is interesting. What's really fantastic about about you know the this realm of sort of writing about medicine is that there were, there were so many, you know, there's so many of my physician writers who were just so talented, you know, and so articulate and, and they take, and, they, and we, each of us come to it from many different perspectives. You know, some, you know, I, I'm not, I might not be the policy guy, you know, or the policy <laughs> woman. Um, and I might not be the the person who's going to write about the economics and, and I might not be writing about the data about a particular, in a particular field. Um, and, and because there are certain people who do that so well, I feel relieved of that pressure to try to, and try, and oftentimes what I try to do is, is, try to figure out where my voice fits in, um, into, into this, you know, wonderful, this, this, this wonderful, um, time we're in where there's so many important books, I think being written by, by so many physician colleagues, nurse colleagues, as we mentioned. Um, and some of these books are nonfiction. Some of these books are actually in fiction or in poetry, (laughs) It's an exciting time, and and I, I I think what you we talked about earlier about sort of the complexity of the different types of experiences that that people have in in medicine as provide as healthcare providers, though I don't like that term, but as a catch-all term for all of us, from nurses to docs to techs to even the unit secretaries and everyone who's involved in the patient's care, to patients and their families is so complex that oftentimes it requires just many different forms and very different methods to get to get at the truth of an experience and i think that's what we're all trying to 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 get at at least what i am and i think so many of my colleagues are as well
0: well dr baruch i want to thank you so much for coming on the edg show and sharing your the your thoughts um your your empathy just the way you think about uh er medicine because it's so refreshing to, to put that human face on, um, on the, the very complex topic, as you said, of, of, uh, emergency room medicine. So thank you. If people want to get more information about you or the book, uh, where can they go? They can go
1: to, I have a website. Um, it's, uh, w dot J And, uh, I'm a Twitter, um, Erratically, but I'm there. <laughs> um, which is at uh, J the letter J B A R U C H Baruch, Baruch M D. So at J Baruch i D. Um, I'm at LinkedIn too. Erratically, but I'm there. You'll find me there. Um, and people get in contact with me through my website as well
0: excellent and for uh, our youtube listeners of course we'll put all that information in the description so you can click and go right to it uh, again dr baruch thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule i really appreciate you coming on the edric show
1: uh, edric thank you very much um, i'm a I, uh, best of luck with your podcast i'm really honored to be to be a guest on it thank you so much.
0: thank you thank you this has been another edition of the edric show i am your host edric jerome as promised this is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people in addition to youtube please check us out on spotify apple Podcasts, all of your favorite online podcast streaming services subscribe drop us a line give us a comment uh, let us know how we're doing as again we continue to build this thing from the ground up appreciate you tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode